The Lord be with you. For as long as I can remember, I've been fascinated by those really big, elaborate, historical paintings of famous military battles. Maybe you like those sort of paintings too. There's mighty warships aflame and firing off their cannons at dusk. There's armored figures clashing with pikes and swords and muskets and mortars. There's soldiers and horses staggering and perishing. Sometimes these people have really strange expressions on their faces. Sometimes they're even awkwardly making eye contact with us. We see officers who are radiant in victory, sitting atop their horse with their powdered wig and their huge hat. And we see officers crumpled in defeat. Now, I know these paintings are part historical record and part propaganda with a lot of artistic license and flair. But paintings like this do tell a part of the story of the human race, don't they? They are, in part, a reflection of who we are as a species. The thing is, of all those works of art that I can think of, the one that comes to mind the most often is a simple drawing that I didn't even know how to name. A sketch that first appeared as an illustration in a medical textbook written in 1491. Here it is, one of the versions. Over the years, versions of this drawing have been found in different forms, but always with the same purpose. These are medical illustrations that have come to collectively be known as Wound Man. If you're sitting at home right now and you want a reference or you want a better look at this picture, just go to the Wikipedia page for Wound Man. More than 300 years in the making, Wound Man was formed by the gathered knowledge of field surgeons through the years, responding to the innovations in mechanics of warfare. It was drawn together in the wake of many, many violent encounters. Wound Man is the accumulated telling of the same famous battles in those great paintings, but without the glory or the action or the radiant lighting, Wound Man is stark. Wound Man is clinical. There is a matter-of-fact quality to Wound Man. Look on his face as if to say, well, here it is. This is what it looks like. This is an image scribed for us by steady hands and wide eyes. And this drawing is Not the celebration of a victory, but the description of the aftermath. A naming of realities. Wound man is absurd. Standing so casually before us, assaulted by swords and spears and shrapnel, arrows and cannonballs, a map of the many ways to tear a person's flesh and pierce and crush and maim a human being. Wound Man is horrific. Wound Man occupies the place in our cultural imagination because in that drawing of Wound Man, we see a multitude of wounded. 
I think it's safe to say we can take Wound Man away, maybe, for now. Haven't we all had enough? And those of you who have uh, issues with medical drawings, I, I guess I should have given you a, a warning. <laughs> that being said, after this year's Monday Thursday service, Ryan and Don and Gerald and I sat right here up at the front. We sat in the golden light of this muted sanctuary, which is truly beautiful at night. We sat together reflecting on the blessing that is this place and this community of faith. And we talked about the way that the readings for the service of shadows so easily catch us off guard year after year after year. The story is absolutely vivid in its telling. A description of such violence and contempt, Christ betrayed, humiliated, struck, tortured, and crucified. And every year, these scriptures are difficult passages to read. So it's hard to imagine, then, the trauma of witnessing your beloved friend go through such horrific suffering. And yet, in our story today, these same heartbroken friends and followers were blessed witnesses to the Easter miracle. Because the crucified one had been risen to life, Easter is the story of despair that has turned to joy. In those strange days after his resurrection, the Lord had some essential lessons for the church. And some of those lessons he spoke directly. But most of those lessons he simply embodied. Jesus would just sort of show up unannounced, sneaking past locked doors, dropping in as if that's just a thing you do when you're raised from the dead. He would greet his followers with peace, breathing the Holy Spirit onto them. Into them? Granting his disciples the assurance that they could even forgive sins. Excuse, excuse me? That, <coughs> this is a lot to take in, Jesus. Imagine how full their hearts were as they rejoiced and wept tears of such joy, sometimes afraid, bewildered, questioning, wondering. Some of them even had very understandable doubts. A few brave souls dared to share those doubts. Surely this isn't the same friend that we saw so brutally murdered. How can this be? I think I'm going to need a little more information. Thank you very much. But Jesus stood among his friends, and here's the thing. Jesus hadn't discarded his body. As though it were some sort of disposable thing that he could get rid of and replace so easily. He did seem to be miraculous in his own Jesus-y sort of way. But this was the same body, the same flesh, the same hands and feet and organs that Jesus had grown up with, the body his friends had walked with and lived with and embraced. Jesus showed them the marks of his suffering. Flesh still torn by nails carrying a deep and cruel puncture wound on his side from a soldier's spear. The risen one standing in the midst of his friends with the fresh marks of violence 
and suffering. The Lord presenting himself for inspection. And it's a strange sight. Put your fingers here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Now for historical and theological reasons, in the Roman Catholic tradition, the five wounds of Christ occupy a much bigger chunk of the theological landscape. Maybe we could learn a thing or two from them. It is a vivid image, after all. The wounds of Christ shape art and liturgy and practice and some amazing works of art centered on the display of Jesus' wounds. My favorite might be the incredulity of St. Thomas, painted by Caravaggio. The wounds of Christ were compelling images. And they were even the inspiration for spiritual geniuses like Claire of Assisi, Bernard of Clairvaux. Bernard wrote this terrific line in one of his sermons. Where have your love, your mercy, your compassion shone out more luminously than in your wounds, sweet, gentle Lord of mercy? But Jesus' unusual bodily presentation wasn't just for the novelty or the intense image that it presents. This human form standing before us with the first disciples was proclamation. This body before them was the announcement of a new thing. The word made flesh, revealed as the risen one. The wounded body of Jesus speaks the universal language of human suffering to assure us that God is with us, and that means God is with us all the way. Not dabbling or swooping in for a quick visit, not a partial measure or the suggestion of maybe a tiny little bit of empathy and attention. This same body, risen and yet showing the marks of living in a violent an unfair world. That body speaks to the deep needs of heartbroken humanity. This person, the risen one, is one of us. And there is no diagram or sketch or textbook that could even begin to illustrate the varieties of wounding which tear and injure our world. You'd need a whole library. The forms of exploitation and cruelty visited upon women and men and children. We live in a world that habitually, often casually, treats the human person as disposable. But Jesus stands with all of us. Jesus stands in the midst of the human race and presents himself to us. Easter, friends, I know that there are many days when God seems very far away. An abstract idea or the vague notion of a distant creator who maybe isn't even that interested in such little lives like yours and mine. Easter is the promise that this same God not only sees and knows and understands the variety of our troubles and pains, 
Christ, the wounded one, stands with all of humanity. Christ stands with you. Easter is also a prediction. A hint at what sort of plans God has for redemption and healing. For resurrection and all of the world's dead things. Easter is about heartbroken people turning to despair. And Siri just interrupted my teleprompter, and it's running away. Now I know how you feel, Don. (laughs) I'm not going to just wing this, so I might take a minute to (laughs) rescue my... Oh, hey, no, it's back. Siri? Did I say Siri? I never said her name, did I? All right, well, bear with me. <laughs> oh, all right, well, just moving back. Okay, can we try this again? From the beginning, the Lord. No, okay. Those wounds of Christ also tell us something about what it means to live as a community of Easter people. What sort of plans does our Creator have for the likes of us? At the center of the church, the living heart of ministry, at the center of our life of faith, there in the midst of the gathered people, stands the risen one, presenting his wounds to us. Jesus said, As the Father has sent me, so I send you. The church is a sent people, called into the mess of it all. Called to be tactile and physical and practical and visceral, earthly and present. We're called to honor and celebrate and protect and heal and house and feed the diverse assortment of human beings that we are blessed to know. I can't look at wound man now and not see Christ, the one standing with the multitude, the one who joined us in the full human experience, inviting us to a new thing, the redeeming work of the Creator. I'd ask you in your theological imagination, where do you see wound woman or wound man? Are there ways that this view of the wounded one might inform our practice of faith and the shape of this community in the weeks and months to come? By now I know that you've probably all heard more than a few sermons, and you know that we're near the part where you're told to go out and do something. Do something hopeful, maybe creative, maybe a small step towards a life of humility, generosity, or mercy. But what if, for now, we start with the first lesson of Easter? Considering, for a time, our own amazing and fragile bodies, Might we see the Christ who stands with us in our weariness? 
stands with us in our joy, in our limitations, and even our suffering. Every church is made of people formed by this same flesh, the raw materials of God's purposes. How might our hearts be instructed as we stand together with the risen one in our very midst? Learning the lessons that aren't formed in words, lessons that are shaped by sinew and tissue and bone and breaths and heartbeats. Easter people, sent people. Our hope is proclaimed and embodied by the risen one. Thanks be to God.